people quitting their jobs saying the employer the managers do not value me it is a culture of not understanding the true value of human the human element of the workplace that is what our book is all about we are changing the paradigm and we are calling it human capital not resources human capital in this new world of work all people leadership in the digital age is a paradigm shift proposition to look start looking at your human element your your worker partners with value not as expense as cost but as a value adding element in the business All right, everybody, uh, welcome to today's episode, episode five, The History of Human Capital and Management. I wanted to uh, introduce for the first time on our podcast uh, our third and final co-author, uh, Dr. Robert Ramirez. Um, people that know him in person call him Dr. Bob, but Dr. Biswas, Dr. Bob, is also Dr. Bob, so it gets a little confusing for us. Um so he he is Dr. Robert, and uh, some you may already know this, but what makes this book kind of unique and uh, practicing what we preach sort of is that the three of us are good friends. We've uh, done a lot of uh, work on this book, but we've actually never met in person. And so uh, we if we knew um, Dr. Robert personally or were around him more we might be more natural to call you dr bob but i think <laughs> we get used to calling dr biswas dr bob so uh what what are names that people call you for, for yeah. me yeah what do people oh call my, you? my students call me dr b okay and i keep it simple now just dr b what what <laughs> do your enemies call you <laughs> uh i don't know if you want to know that, <laughs> just call you anything but late to dinner, right? Don't call me late for dinner. That's right. Um, and you're in the Southern California area. That's right. I'm in Southern California, actually Valencia, California. And uh, I've been on vacation. I've been on a road trip for five weeks uh, with my wife traveling through the U.S. and Canada. So thank you for holding down the fort and kicking this off. And now I'm just happy to to uh, to join the two of you and be on this podcast. We have so much information to share, so thank you. We're so glad you're here because this topic, you're our expert, right? You're our in-house expert? No, no, no. Dr. Bob Biswas is our expert on the history of human capital management. Um, In fact, I tried not to give him too much uh, prep time for this because he he could rattle it off the top of his head. Um, So welcome everybody to today's episode let me throw this up it is uh history of human capital management and it's going to be a brief history but i'm sure dr bob's got um lots of great stories on this so dr bob biswas uh what what do you have to say to to start us off with this topic hey uh to start it off 
I have to tell you a story. I'm a storyteller. A few years ago, I was in uh, Oxford, uh, Oxford University for a summer program for faculty members. And as part of that program, mm, they took us on a trip to Ironsbridge. Ironsbridge. Ironsbridge is near Birmingham, England. So we were on a bus tour along with our tutor, who is a professor, uh, who was uh, his his name. I forget his name on the top of my head, uh, but he was the chief economic advisor to Tony Blair's government. Uh, so he was us guiding us to Ironsbridge. Why is Ironsbridge famous? This is where the Industrial Revolution started. The first factories were built. Why was it that place the start? They discovered a lot of iron ore in that place. Hmm? Iron ore deposits. So some enterprising young people, business people, extracted the iron ore and started mis melting it smelting it to whatever the right word is and to make iron ore into steel and the first iron bridge was built there that's why it's called iron bridge and it still stands there hmm? these early factories miss melting down iron ore into steel was the start of the industrial revolution now switching back to human capital the one of the professors from Oxford was the tour guide here, and he was explaining that the average life lifespan of the worker in these factories was 19 years of age because wow. the working condition was so poor. There was no no protections against airborne diseases, etc., in the factory. So they died. The owner, owners themselves, because they were in the factories, their longevity wasn't that much better. They lived it to their thirties only. So there was no worker protection in the early years. And when the industrial revolution and factory jobs became very prevalent, lots of people came from rural areas to work in these primitive factories. This is how human resources started in the workplace okay with no protections and then some enlightened industrialists during the turn of the century there decided they need to pay some attention to the workers uh henry ford and all who started the assembly line they started saying we need to pay some attention to the welfare of workers and they hired welfare officers who took care of the health of the workers etc and basic things the basic needs of workers the welfare officer took so that's the progress from primitive iron bridge to henry ford's time didn't improve the lot much the conditions of the working conditions and therefore, the workers around the late, around the Great Depression, right after the Great Depression, started thinking of organizing hmm, for their rights. And that was the unions were born at that time. Hmm? Walter Ruther, 
started the AFL-CIO and the union started forming hmm, for demanding worker protections. Now, with the unions forming and forming, the work, again, enlightened industrialists decided they need to do much, much better with taking care of workers in their factories. So very seminal experiment was conducted uh, by Elton Mayo from Harvard professor. It's called the Western Electric Studies, Hawthorne Studies, where human interaction in the workplace was studied scholarly in a scholarly fashion for the first time, the Elton Mayo Hawthorne Studies. And they found very interesting findings, like there was a big, the great lighting experiment. They found that when they improved the lighting in the workplace, the worker productivity increased, but not only the workers who had improved writing their product, lighting, their productivity increased, but people, workers who didn't have improved lighting also improved their productivity. Very strange human behavior observations, okay? And now we come uh, to the 60s. The 60s in the Western world was, uh, there was, there was the birth of social consciousness in society, mm -hmm. society consciousness. And then mm -hmm, a seminal book was uh, written called The Human Side of the Enterprise. Uh, uh, what was the author? Douglas McGregor wrote that book. And for the first time, psychology or human behavior came into the equation. Mm -hmm. With that seminal book, I have a 25th anniversary copy here. It was really a very seminal book in how workers be worker behavior, understanding psychology of the worker behavior in the workplace. That introduced a new disciplines in HR, organizational behavior, organizational development, learning and development. All these functions started coming into HR, and and. Uh, up to that point, by the way, the human resource function was called personnel management, you know, up to the late 60s, before Doug McGregor's Brook, okay? And then after that, the function started being called human resources, the human side of the enterprise, because that's what Douglas McGregor titled his book and it became human resources. Up to the time, up to the time to modern times, to the advent of supercomputers and technology, etc. we are in a new era of human resources. As I have said many times, human resources, although it understood human behavior and organizational behavior, etc. The idea was to manage the human resources within the organization, manage the human resources, which was understanding the effectiveness and the efficiency of human resources within organizations. So it was an inside out view of human resources. But in this era, going forward in the digital workplace, in the digitized workplace, Human resources 
humans in the human resources have completely changed their outlook into the world of work and that was that has been accelerated tremendously by the great resignation which was initiated right after the covid-19 crisis started human be the employees employees because of the covid-19 break this had a chance to think about their work life as part of the human resource community and they didn't see a pretty picture you know bosses were not as sympathetic as empathetic and people were working long hours commuting long hours and people started contemplating and becoming pensive about their work environment and said this is not a good thing hmm? we need to have a better work life balance okay we need to focus on what is important to us and a well balanced life is more important to us so employees started saying enough is enough long hours long commutes and all this is enough and the workplace started changing has started changing dramatically work actually the employee employer contract that existed after the the from the 60s going forward hmm, has really now reached a stage where there is re being re reengineered i can say reengineered because the employer employee contract was hmm, what you call equilibrium theory which is the employers brought into the work their knowledge effort abilities and their time etc and they expected to receive from their employer commensurate rewards work life balance career progress etc but that that equilibrium became disequilibrium so employees are taking hold the workers employees are taking hold of their work life in this new digitized environment so we have started looking at human the human aspect human side of the business from an outside in view not inside you it's not mm, efficiency and if effectiveness is involved in engagement and satisfaction job satisfaction and mainly a uh, control of our work lives okay the time we spend and the work life balance so we have moved in the digital age in the fourth revolution to an outside in view of the human human side of the enterprise outside in view and and as it is because of these many changes digit the four forces we talk about in our book the world of work has changed that's why the title of our book you know there's no more the traditional work life that uh, our fathers and our forefathers and our grandfathers experience you know? there's no lifetime uh, employment anymore yeah. workers want to work when they need to work where they want to work and what they want to work with so that is basically in summary bill the history of human resources
Yeah, as, a, as I was sitting there listening yeah. to you, thank you very much. That was a, a wonderful um, short version of what that is. And I, as I mentioned before, I come from the strategic man- management side of things, the business ownership mindset. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking if I was one of those entre- entrepreneurs that found that iron at Ironbridge and, man, I've got this great idea. I can produce so much more. I have all these tools, uh, all these ways to do this. But I, in order to produce all this stuff, I can't do it all myself. Perhaps I can convince somebody to help me. And and uh, I think there's still uh, in some business owners' mindset that if I pay somebody, uh, that should be thanks enough, right? And so I'm paying you for your time. You're going to come help me. Uh, and guess what? If we make extra money, um, I'm, I may not give it to you. I may keep it for myself or I may value my entrepreneurship differently. But what happened is that the business owners got so involved with productivity that they didn't realize that they were um, wearing out their most valuable asset, right? They and even now you're seeing that some HR departments um, are doing that, that they view their people as a resource. Um, and so that that's one of the key things that you're trying to get us to, to think about yeah. as well, right? Bill, I have oftentimes mentioned this, and I, in my previous books I've written about this. Since uh, the advent of modern accountancy, modern accountancy there is the accountants look at the view of human the human element in the business life differently and i think that is a big problem with the accounting system why i say this uh, in accounting people costs the human costs expenses are all operating expenses, everything, salaries, benefits, training, development, you know, recruiting costs, all immediate current expenses, they all go into an income statement. Whereas the equipment that the humans work with, equipment, physical equipment, computers, uh, machines, they are human. They need the humans to work, operate these machines. Accountants think they are capital costs, not the humans. That is an inside-out view. <laughs> How can I give an example in my book? I'm I'm going to go and I'm start a. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to start a biotech company to come up with a miracle cure for COVID nineteen. Hmm? So I find out in the National Institutes of Health, there is this young scientist genius who I want to hire to be a chief technology officer of my company. So I go there, I interview him, I woo him, I dine him, I bring him to California where my company is going to be, and I take him around, show him around. Finally, he agrees to take my offer and start this venture and come up with the miracle cure of COVID. And he tells me during my one of the, our meetings that he needs to, I need to help him 
if he wants if he if i want him to join he has to build i have to build for him a lab modern lab which requires equipment okay lots yeah. of equipment fancy equipment i said how much will it cost he says about 6 million dollars i said okay <laughs> we'll get our investors to fund it but you come along all in accounting all that equipment cost is capital expenditures balance sheet expenditures it has their useful life is over a period of time but all the expenses i have to expend for this scientist recruiting him travel expenses his salary his benefits a current current operating costs does that make sense to you it doesn't make any sense human resources the human element is the main capital of the organization well, it has much more useful life i think it's even so bad this scientist comes and joins you and he builds a fancy drug and you the company gets gets a patent on the drug the cost of getting that patent cost of paying the lawyers to get that patent are capital expenditures every expenditure for the scientist the human human capital that created this product is operating expenses his value to the company is one year yeah well it's this is, I, this, I is an, it is. this is the inside out view bob i'm talking about yeah it is perpetuated by the accounting system i and think is, are, when i think of capital and and robert i'm sure you've worked with pnls and things like this before when you go to a capital expenditure um you're 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 buying a piece of equipment with the intention that that piece of equipment will create more value than it costs is that is that how exactly. it works robert that is, that's that's correct actually um but you know also the way taxes are done you can write off that equipment over a period of years exactly so you, you depreciate write off you depreciate the value of that um i i wanted to to add another note just to just another misconception about human resources and that is you got to think about the management's job is that they hire a director of human resources to oversee the employees and to bring the best out of that staff their skills and their talents but they they work for they and they're paid for the corporation so when an employee has an issue they take it to human resources thinking that the that the hr is going to represent them but they're really representing the corporation and the, and the people that's that's paying them so and they want to make sure that uh there are no issues or contract liabilities uh lawsuits put against the employer so that's um that's sometimes a misconception that people have that hr is there for the employees they are there to get the most out of the employees but not, but they are there to benefit the company and to make sure that the company uh doesn't get itself into trouble you make a, a great point Bill, too in your comment to yeah. me is that scientist my scientist right. Is, right is that person adding value or not 
Well, I, I was just going to make that that jump to that is that we we view capital as things that we would buy that over time will uh, have more productivity, right? The the output will in, uh, exceed the input. So I'm going to get more value added to the organization um, when I buy that piece of equipment. Um, even and so we what's weird is that we don't think of people that way. We think of people as wages, as costs, which you're saying, that they just keep costing me money. They're never, never going to actually create the value that will supersede the cost that they cost me, right? And so we're seeing tons of people choosing automation because they don't value the, the they don't see the value that people are um, adding to the to the organization. But clearly the human, the scientist is the principal source of value. Absolutely. Yeah. Is the principal right. source of value, but the system which thinks inside out is looking at them as a cost, as no value. One year, value is one year only. I have, you know, I used to work for the big, one big accounting firm, PricewaterhouseCoopers. And I used to challenge my accounting friends. I was in the financial advisory group about this issue. And they all would agree with me. But they say, Bob, we cannot really take the human capital and put him in the balance sheet, capitalize it over a useful period of time. I used to tell them, wait a minute. The equipment <laughs> depreciate. Human beings appreciate. Ah. So it will increase your balance sheet. Well, there is a time at which they do account for it, Dr. Bob. Uh, maybe not the accounting department, but the business owner, when he gets ready to sell it or go IPO, all of a sudden, those people are worth something. Is that right? Exactly. They start to go, you know what? If I, the, if I was to buy your, your COVID-19 intrinsic yeah. value, right. Right. We're talking about the intrinsic value. Because if I if I say I'm going to buy that company you just started fictitious company you bought you started up, and now you I say I want to buy that off of you, and and I say what's it worth? And you say well it's worth ten billion dollars. And I say well the lab only cost you four or five million to make. And he's like yeah, but go find the uh, scientist, go see how you can get your own scientist. Exactly. Then. Every employee has to think about how do they add value. So, you, so as you prove yourself to your company, you've got to talk about the value that you add to the department, to the company, because you, you're an asset. Bob, this view, this angle, this viewpoint, employers have behind their minds about the value of human, the human element of the business which is the cost, you know, limited value. I have discussed with accountants that they tell me, Bob, it's very difficult to measure the value of Bob Ramirez because I can measure the value of a, a, the cost, yeah. cost of acquisition of equipment, but I cannot value in a very logical manner the value of Bob Ramirez. I said, that's wrong. I have formulas that you can use to value Bob Ramirez. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to take the effort. This concept 
of human resources not having value in the language of business, accounting and finance, not having value has led to the, the current trend of the great resignation. Because employees in companies have realized, I am not being valued. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is why we've had the great resignation, masses of people quitting their jobs. Saying yes, yes. the employer, the managers do not value me. It is a culture of not understanding the true value of human the human element of the workplace. That is what our book is all about. We are changing the paradigm and we are calling it human capital, not resources, human capital. In this new world of work, all People leadership in the digital age is a paradigm shift proposition to look, start looking at your human element, your, your worker partners with value, not as expense, as cost, but as a value adding risk element in the business. Yeah, and we, we see that the mindset change needs to be changed. The employees have access to all this stuff, right? They have uh, large, they have um, they can get large amounts of data. They can they have these technologies. They they have a supercomputer in their hand, and uh, and so if we don't value our employees, they're going to leave. Um, that they're already thinking about it, right? So all they need is a reason <laughs> to leave and. Um, that, that, that happens often. And if you want to get the most value of, of your employees, don't micromanage them. Let them be, let them be creative, give them access to all the information that you have and, and don't micromanage that. That's you know, you, both of you know, there's a survey called the great places to work. It's found a lot of traction. Yes. You know, great places to work. The companies that are listed as great places have realized that the human element is the real value of the organization. Okay. Yes. Automation without human, the human element doesn't work. Okay. So now we are in the era where in a knowledge economy and more and more knowledge economy in the digital economy, knowledge is very important. We are in a knowledge society. So the human element who, who have this knowledge is demanding their value. So that is where the people specialists have to focus or change their paradigm too in this new era, in the new, new era of the new world of work. Yeah, so some closing That's thoughts. That's why we've arrived in the journey in history, right? Yeah, so some closing thoughts is, uh, this is something you asked me to, to put up, that human resource departments need to constantly analyze their competencies. Um, I, I initially had analyzed their systems uh, because that's what I understand at HR departments is they have systems that are set up. You asked me to use the word competencies. What, do you, what did you mean by that? I think, well, number one, in order to make the argument 
that I made here about considering in the language of business, accounting and finance, explaining to senior leadership the value of the human element has to be done in the language of business. So one of the, my primary primary suggestions to the human, re, human resource communities is to learn the language of business so that you can explain to your leadership in dollars and cents why the human element has to be valued much more. Not only from a sociology, psychology, and well-being perspective, but also from the dollars and cents perspective. In order to communicate that, human resource, people specialists, I call them, need to also be very fluent in the language of business. And that is one of the competencies that they have to develop. And continuously, another competency that you brought up, you know, the people specialists in the company have to learn how to become true advocates for the, I don't like to use the word employees anymore, working partners, okay? True value of the working partners. They really have to be the advocate, not just for management, but also truly for the human capital element in the business. And also risks their jobs to represent the value of the human element. If the senior leadership doesn't listen, you say, okay, this is the way the employees feel. We are, I am representing the employee's point of view. If you don't want to listen, I'll go somewhere else where they will listen. Yeah, They have to be bold. They have to develop advanced business competencies and be develop and be bold. Hmm? Robert, what do you think about that bottom statement there? Well, if, if I could add to that, you know, you were talking about knowledge and knowledge, knowledge is power. But uh, knowledge is basically just information. You know, we can get that information from a textbook, or we can we can Google that. But it's 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 human. It's the human capital that we're able to take that information and and have wisdom, which is knowing how to properly apply that information. So wisdom is what we want for our staff and employees to give them uh, cr that creativity to take that skill set that they have. So um, as, as, uh, as we try to have people, our people leadership get the most out of their employees, we want to teach them that we want their wisdom. And through that, they're going to add value. Our book uh, is looking at the human side, the human element in the business as evaluating capital yeah. okay and therefore we present in the book different ideas uh, of how the people specialists people leadership have to change their paradigm in this new digitized knowledge world truly change their paradigm start with looking at the human element from the outside in and not from cost management and effectiveness, efficiency, 
inside out viewpoint okay that is a paradigm shifting book and we lay out a game plan we present a model in that in the book which is called the human capital management what do you call it human capital lifestyle management okay um model that looks at human the human element from the outside in so yep that is in our i believe it's chapter 16 human asset life cycle model uh home about uh, taking that look and and you were mentioning talking the language of business as a business owner uh i should be very much value this approach because what what you're offering here is the suggestion that ultimately if if my um work part working partners are more appreciated more valued they will actually add more increased yeah. value to the productivity of the organization it's not just we're gonna our uh, people will uh enjoy to work here but it's gonna go to the bottom line as well thanks again everybody uh, we'll we'll see you guys next time thank you dr bob once again and dr robert thank you we'll see so you next thank time. you thank bye you. bye